We're told that uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. And precept is, is something that uh, gives direction or keeps in order. Okay? So I've been talking with you all about being still and, and uh, some other stuff. And I'm going to start off. If you ever take notes, write these down. Because I'm going to go through them fairly fast. Starting off with Romans 121. Excuse me. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Romans 121. The next is Romans 128. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased mind and to do those things which are not fitting. Revelation. Chapter 2, verse 23. I will talk about Jezebel, okay? And, and the church of uh, uh, Thyresia, I believe it is. Uh, it's, uh, something like that. If you can pronounce it, pat yourself on the back. What chapter is that again? Revelation 2, 23. I will kill her children with death. And with the church and the churches, all the churches shall know that I am He who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now that, that's before I go on, I, I want to just say that's a very interesting scripture because he says you're going to receive according to your works. It doesn't say you'll receive good according to your good works, and it doesn't say you'll receive bad according to your bad works. So whatever the works are, that's how you're going to receive it. You know, be ye not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, shall he also reap. Okay? Now, Philippians. Philippians 4. Starting verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So let me pull these together real quick, okay? Romans 1.21, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. Romans 1.28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... In Revelation 2, 3 is, I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. So they weren't thankful, that's the heart. They didn't retain knowledge, that's the mind. Then how in the world do we expect to be in Philippians 4, 7? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, if we, if we don't keep God and glorify God and be thankful... Our hearts are darkened. If, if we don't keep them in our mind, we'll be turned over to thoughts that are not of God, that are not fitting. I want you to know, church, we are drawing close to the time when the, when the, when the true followers of Jesus Christ will be snatched away. It, it's coming at us like a speeding train, and there's no power in heaven on earth that's going to stop it. God has set the time. I do not know when it is, but it has been set from the beginning. And I believe we are heading that way even as I sit here today. And I will tell you a blunt fact. The rest of our lives 
will be battles for our hearts and our minds. Our bodies may break down, our bodies may, may ache and, and hurt, we may have, have infirmities, but it's all about during everything, you're in sickness and in health, in poverty and in wealth, just like in a wedding, we're married to the, we're married to the king. It's all about our hearts and our minds. How do we handle that? How do we face that? How do we praise God during that time? We do it by renewing our minds daily. Daily. We can't just renew our mind once and, and everything be okay. We've got to continually do it. Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I believe uh, King James it says, Be not conformed. Be not conformed to the world. Don't tell me that rioting and looting is what we have to have to, for change to come into society. Don't, don't, don't tell me that, that if I don't approve of gay marriage, that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hypocrite. Don't, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me that, that killing that baby is not murder, it's the mama's choice. Amen. Just don't even start. Because I'm going to tell you you're a liar. God's word does not proclaim it, so it is not the truth. Amen. So really, I mean, as, as I have grown in Christ, I've often wondered, how, how is our mind renewed? First of all, what does renewed mean? It means to make new. Again. Made new, then we've got to make new again. Renew, repeat, return. You take it back or go back. There's that, so the re in there is, is really kind of important, isn't it? Our thinking is influenced by the patterns of this world. It is. Whether we like it or not. Guilty. Can I tell you I had to deactivate my Twitter account because I was getting so stinking mad at people that were saying this and saying that that I just, I was spitting nails, man. And as a friend of mine says, arrows are coming out of my eyes. And I realized that what I preached last week was love, and here I am hating. So I did away with it. I renewed my mind. That's how we do it. We turn away from the things that are going to take us away from God. We grow up understanding, or, or possibly what we think we're understanding, of how the world works. And that influences how we behave and what we choose to do. Each generation is, is, uh, seems to have its own way of looking at the world. I'm, I'm a boomer, baby boomers, born after World War II. We, we tend to have a positive outlook. We, we tend to believe the one that, that, that we're going to reach the American dream. We're going to own a home and, and we're going to have a two-car garage. We, we, we look at things in a positive way. Gen Xers. They, they are sort of cynical and cautious. The, uh, the pattern of our generation dictates how we view the world around us. Studies have been done and they have found out that no matter what generation you're from, in today's society, we have greater anxiety than any time in the known history. 
You know why? Because maybe you got there and found out that the great dream wasn't so great. Well, once you buy that house, brother, you've made it. Well, yeah, what happens if my air conditioner goes out and I don't have $5,000 for a new one? Oh, but you own it. <laughs> maybe, maybe what you thought was going to be great ended up being a, a, a disillusioning moment. Maybe you've turned skeptical. Maybe you're even tainted. Tainted by a worldview that has no answers to, to the local or, or global uh, uh, crisis that we are facing today. And we are. Now I'm not just talking about the pandemic or, or, or politics. I'm talking about the battle for our spiritual lives and our life of eternity with God or separated from God. Amen. The world has no answers for that. Hallelujah. We need to, to have a new way of thinking, a new mind. We need to put away the pattern of this world and be renewed in our thinking to see life as how God sees it. God does not see me as a broken down old man who can't walk. God sees me as a man on the front line of His army preaching the gospel and encouraging you not to give up. God doesn't see you as fat or skinny. Pretty or beautiful. Notice I left out ugly. God, God doesn't see you in any way other than the way He created you. And that's just His child. Amen. Mm. Our instant expectation says that, that, uh, that we can just add water and stir and, 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 and put it in a microwave and, and we have a renewed mind. No. That's not right. I've told y'all. We cannot pull up to the drive through window of heaven and say, God, I need a supersized uh, blessing of finances. I'd like a side of healing. Oh, let me have that fried apple pie too. And expect God to be sitting there with our bag when we pull up. We want everything quick. Jesus says, make disciples. It's a process. It's not instantaneous. Jesus says, come to Him. Follow Him. Learn from Him. And put these things into practice. What do we need to do? We need to find our joy in Jesus. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Remember. I got that in big letters right here, so I'll tell y'all firmly. Remember, joy is not happiness. We tend to, to want to relate the two, and maybe they're distant cousins, but happiness depends on what's happening around you. Joy is constant and sure. I was sitting over here with my back, just not sure I was going to be able to stand up to walk up front, hurting so badly. But I had the joy of the Lord in me as I worshiped and praised. You may not be happy today, but you're saved by the blood of Christ. And that, my friends, is a reason to rejoice. To rejoice in an action, not a feeling. It's how we choose 
as Christians to live. Paul endured great hardships. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked and much more. Yet here he is in Philippians telling them to rejoice. Paul rejoiced in all circumstances. Let's call it out to the world. That's foreign. What do you mean you're rejoicing? Can't you see the shackles on your hands? Can't you see the prison bars in front of you? That doesn't cause me not to rejoice in the Lord. A friend put on Facebook, uh, she was a friend of Lynn and I's at, at Cornerstone, and just, uh, just love her, I do. Her, her name's Cookie. And she put on Facebook that she was just feeling like crying. And I replied that David wept until he could weep no more. Then he encouraged himself in the Lord. Guys, sometimes you just feel like crying. Am I the only one that has that? Sometimes it's like, dang. And you let that go and then you get back to saying, God, God, thank you that I'm not really alone. Thank you that I'm not really broken down. Because you know what? Tomorrow, today, 10 years, I'm going to have a renewed body. This corrupt temple will be gone. And I'll be incorruptible forever. Woo! <laughs> Come on, Lord. <laughs> mm. Years ago, CNN's, when it was actually a news network, Larry King, that's a little bit political, wasn't it? Interviewed Dr. Billy Graham. He'd been struggling, Billy Graham had been struggling with Parkinson's disease. And when King asked him how he felt about having Parkinson's disease, Dr. Graham replied, and listen to this, I feel great about it. It has been a wonderful experience. I believe the Lord has many lessons to teach me through this disease. How in the world can Parkinson's be a blessing? Because he was rejoicing in the Lord. Because he, he, he's, he, he, he wondered how could, a, how could a person be able to do this. It was, if you wonder that, it's supernatural. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It had to be from God. It had to be from God. And it had to be in cooperation with the Holy Spirit of God. Dr. Graham must have made it a habit of daily rejoicing in the Lord. If you don't do it every day, then when that wave hits, when that disease comes, when that infirmity happens, when that poverty comes, you're not going to be ready to rejoice. If you wait until it rains to put the roof on your house, you're in trouble. Amen. Uh, made me think about when I lived in Maine. If you wait until January to cut your wood, you're going to be cold. Yes, sir. Because you can't chop wood up there in winter. It's frozen. I tried to do it one time. Spain flew back over my head. I said, this might not be too smart. Mmm. <laughs> I mean, really, this... This kind of attitude that, that Dr. Graham had, you know, it, it's, it's like... How do I say it? 
It's like he says, I'm not of this world. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? We're in, but not of. So, so if you're not of this world, you don't act as this world. I tried to tell somebody who had, who had lost a, a loved one years ago, they were going, why? Why? And I said, maybe it's a what? God, what do you want me to learn through this? Not why did this young adult have to die? It was their niece. One was a pastor friend, the other's a, a, a Bible scholar. And, and I said, yo, that death, first of all, she lived 20 years longer than she's supposed to. And then in that death, maybe you need to learn something. God, what am I supposed to... I had the opportunity uh, about three or four years ago to share my mother's story with a man I was selling steel to. I'd never talked to him. And uh, he said something, and I just, what's going on? And he said, I almost didn't tell you, but I did. He said, I don't know why I did. He said, I know now it's a God thing. And I told him about dealing with all the, all the intricacies of Alzheimer's and, and going from, from the basics to the place where they don't know you, to where they forget to eat, where everything gets really bad. And as he went through those different stages with his mother, he said he recounted, Marty said this, Marty said this. One of the things I tell everybody whose parents are having that is, quit arguing with them. They don't know. Amen. They don't. Mom would tell me about them stealing the flowers at the nursing home. They're out there again, Marty, they're getting my flowers. I said, don't worry, Mom, I'll get you some more. Okay. I want to say, Mama, ain't nobody here stealing any flowers. It, it didn't matter. Why do we have to fight a fight that doesn't need to be fought? We have to go against what our natural mindset is. When we, when we face tragedy, we're most likely, many people are most likely to blame God and say why. But joy does the opposite. If we find ourselves unable to rejoice in all circumstances, that is one sign that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Sometimes we've got to show the world our calm. When we've begun to, to practice rejoicing in all circumstances, our minds are better prepared for all circumstances. Or excuse me, for any circumstances. If we can learn to rejoice when, when things go wrong, a change of attitude is going to be evident. In Philippians 4, 5, he said, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Gentleness is sometimes translated as inner calmness. It's not always about being genteel or, or kind or something else, somebody else. It's sometimes an inner calmness. Charles Swindoll said, in our rough and rugged individuality, we think of gentleness as weakness, being soft and virtually spineless. That's not so. Gentleness includes such enviable qualities as having strength under control, being calm and peaceful when surrounded by, heated, by a heated atmosphere, emitting a soothing effect on those who may be angry or otherwise beside themselves, and possessing tact and gracious courtesy that causes others 
to retain their self-esteem and dignity. Instead of losing the gentle gain. Instead of being ripped off and taken advantage of, they come out ahead. I think there's another scripture that says, Do not repay evil with evil. <laughs> Let's be honest. Some things are just frustrating, aren't they? But maybe I'm the only one that has that problem. But it's just like, Really, God? I'm going to have to go through this again? And you know what God says? You didn't learn it last time. Amen. Thanks, God. Oh, what's the toughest part? Trying to teach somebody when they just don't get it. It's like I've got to tell you this again. How many times do I have to tell you this? I can imagine what a math teacher had with me. X, Y, Z, one X, two, three Z. Okay. I'll never do that. Can we do pluses and minuses? <laughs> Paul with the Corinthians, he, he could have been frustrated. They, they thought they had it all together as Christians. They, 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 they thought they were it. But Paul saw the immorality in their minds. He could have been angry, but instead in, in 2 Corinthians 10.1, not even the first letter, the second letter, by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. He didn't come at him and say, hey, listen, moron. You're immoral. You're unacceptable to God. No, by the gentleness and meekness of Christ. That's awesome, but what did he say at the end of that? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. I mean, that, that could be what I just said. The rapture's coming. Let's get ready. Because the time of the Lord is near. But I've told you all before, and, and I want you to remember this. The Father is God for us. The Son is God with us. And the Spirit is God in us. Okay? The Lord is near. He's right here. He's inside of us everywhere we go. So when you act up, as the as, as worst, so when you act the fool, that grieves the Holy Spirit. You're not operating in the fruit. James 5, 8 and 9 says, Be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. So whether it's His return or in us, we have a reason to remain calm in all situations. No matter what we're facing, we can remain calm because the Lord is near. Our attitude is based on the faith that God is in control. Not always easy, 
but always right. What about controlling your worry levels? Well, I can't help it, Pastor. I'm a warrior. Well, why don't you be a warrior instead of a warrior? That's tough for me to say because people say, okay, Morty. No, my name's Marty. That's what I said, Morty. What? Be a warrior, not a warrior. Attitudes of joy and generous will help lay the foundation for growing a peaceful mind. I believe, and maybe you know some of them, I believe there are people that are addicted to anxiety. If they're not worrying and having chaos in their lives, they're just not happy. I gotta get my next fix. My check didn't come in. Oh, did you see that guy's driving? Oh Lord, I hope he's not driving near me. Everything worries them. Hallelujah. <laughs> he can. <laughs> Verse 4, 6 says, Be anxious about, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Amen. King James says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious. Consider the, the origin of the word anxious. There's the Latin, which is anxious, meaning uh, concerned, uneasy, troubled mind. But there's also, there's also, a, it's also defined as causing anxiety from the word angeri, or anguary, which is anger. But it also means to choke, to squeeze, to torment, or to cause distress. Many times that word was used in, in olden times of a wolf choking a sheep to death. So when we have anxiety, it feels like Satan's got us by the throat, choking us out. You go check on them. <laughs> oh. Jesus gave us a picture of that. Matthew 13, 22. What was sown among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. Our spiritual growth is greatly hindered by anxieties. Years ago, a, a professor at, one of, at an American university uh, did a study on anxiety. His, his surveys uh, yielded that 40% of the things people worry about never happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. Not even our present, our past. 12% are needless worries about health. 10% worry about petty issues. After his study, he realized that only 8% are legitimate concerns. <laughs> it means 92% of your worry time is wasted energy. Your what ifs need to stop. 
When we're worrying, we're really saying that, hey, you know what? God's not able to take care of this one. God's not capable. We cannot worry and rejoice at the same time. We can worry or we can worship. And it's impossible to do both. Rather than worry, Paul says, pray. Pray. To pray is to worship God. It's to focus on the character of God and to adore His attributes in His name. It continues to amaze me that, that oftentimes the last resort is to pray. It is the first thing we should do before any action. Pray. When we pray, we, we also put God before the problems and the needs, no matter how small, and we can get real specific about the troubles we're facing. That's what it means when we get specific, the petitions, placing our petitions and requests before Him. Yeah, I, love this, I love the saying, don't tell God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. It's not always easy, is it? Praying with thanksgiving. I struggle with that sometimes. I try to be joyful all the time. I, I try to remember. But sometimes I, I sort of get away from the thanksgiving. And, and the reason is, thanksgiving is not instantaneous. It requires something for us to learn. We have to practice it to learn it. Just like I said math, if you didn't do your multiplication tables over and over and over, you'd never understand why, why 4 times 8 is 32. should be 12, shouldn't it? 4 and 8 is 12. And let me just lay this out. If you've seen the new math, they have the boxes. Do you teach math at school? No. You're too little? Good. You're lucky. Okay. It's like you write the numbers out and then you take these numbers, these numbers, and these numbers, these numbers. You add this and you add this and this. Okay. <laughs> oh, we need our, our mind to be a mind that has learned to cast all the worries onto God and receive His peace. See, when we practice this, we get chapter 4, 7, Philippians 4. And the peace of God which transcends, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Guard is, is, means a garrison. It's like an army surrounding, protecting. Sort of like in the presidential... Uh, never mind. <laughs> Calling out the National Guard does not help, okay? Y'all remember that. Oh, when we get to that place, our mind views differently than the pattern of this world. Amen? We have to filter what goes in. We have to filter. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. And it applies to our mind, too. If you wonder uh, why you think or, or what you do the way you do, 
or, or why you hear the things that you're hearing, it's because your filter is not high enough for God. If you're not hearing rejoice in the Lord always, if you're not hearing do not be anxious for anything, then, then it will be impossible for you to gr grasp what God desires for you. Instead, your reality will be based on circumstances, not upon faith. Paul said in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Sometimes I'm watching a TV show or something, somebody will die. And I look and, and I, I think about, I was there as my father passed. And how it was, I was there with Sam. I've been with several people. But I, I always think about Dad. And something happened, and, and I'm not going to describe it to you because you don't need the image in your mind. But whenever I think about those moments after when all the muscles were relaxed, there's something that happened that I, I can't shake. And now I battle with renewing my mind about death every day. Because you see, death is not the end, it's the beginning, guys. Scripture says, greater is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. It, it says, uh, uh, it's not rejoices. It's something similar. God rejoices at the death of His saints. You know why? Because they're coming home. They're coming home. Another ambassador has been called home. So I renew my mind and, and think, no, Dad made it. Doesn't matter what he looked like at the end. It matters that he's in eternally with God. Uh, one commentary uh, said, God has packed a lot of good into this world, and we need to fill our minds with that which is praiseworthy. Be deliberate about what you allow yourself to think about. Just as food is necessary for our body's health, good thoughts are necessary for our spiritual health. You're not always going to think about Scripture or something that has a Christian stamp on it. You need to see God in everything that you see. That's why you can't watch some shows on TV. Because God is not in it. That's why we have to be aware of what we listen to. God is not in all music. All music has the ability to be beautiful, but God is not in all music. Nothing is secular when we see it the way God sees it. But God says, look at what I do, not at what the world does. When we see it as God sees it, it gives us that view. But let me, let me just tell you, God is not in that music. God is not in that TV show. 
we have to filter those out and refuse to think those thoughts. Not everybody in the world is a modern family. Where the fathers divorced the old wife and married a young Latino wife, where the brothers gay and married, where the daughters something, and I've never even seen the show, but I've seen the commercials and I've never watched it. So like Sprite and Cafe, never had it, never will. Never watched it, never will. I'm not going to allow that into my mind. Why would I? Why would I? As I was writing this, and I'll just, I'll just say it, okay? Because, you know, that's kind of what I do, and I just kind of say it. I was thinking about Carolyn, and I was thinking about, uh, I believe it's her grandson got married in Florida several years ago. Was it your grandson? And she didn't go. And they said, well, you don't have to come to the wedding. Just come to the reception. She didn't go. Why not? Because he's marrying a man. I'm not trying to get into your business too much, but... <laughs> she said he's divorced. <laughs> but you see, any part associated with that marriage would have given the approval of grandmother who is a devout follower of Jesus to an unholy marriage which is not really a marriage. I don't understand. I've told y'all and I'm sorry about repeating myself. I have trouble with our government taking a religious institution. You know why we have tax uh, marriage license? For tax. The government has no right to say you're married or not married. But they've created laws that says if you're not the spouse of someone, you can't go into that hospital. If you're not the spouse of someone, you can't do this. You can't do that. Why don't we change those laws instead of changing the law of God? Woo! <laughs> My blood pressure just shot up. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think about the things that people say, Oh, praise God! A guy I knew in college, his husband passed away. <laughs> so I'm praying for your peace. I didn't know what else to say. I couldn't write, well, you'll see him in heaven. I'm sure that's going to make somebody on Facebook mad. Oh, well. God didn't call me to be generous, kind, and, and never, never preach the truth. <laughs> Ooh, that got way off sermon quick, didn't it? The mind is a fertile field. It's fertile. Whatever is planted there, whatever crop of thoughts uh, uh, you plant are going to grow there. What are you going to plant in your mind? The fact is, if we plant more of God's thoughts, we will know better how to handle other, sometimes anxious thoughts. Guard your eyes watching TV. Guard your ears listening to, to other things, including music. Plant a better crop in your mind and produce a better harvest of your thoughts. 
20 years ago, I would never have believed God was a, a financial provider. 20 years ago, I wouldn't have believed that God can supernaturally heal. 20 years ago, I didn't believe that the greatest healing we have is going to heaven. I was like, I don't believe in God. He, he let my father die. He let my brother die. He let my child die. Well, you believe in Satan because he's the one that brought death into this world. Man. Thoughts that do not help the mind destroy the mind. Paul said, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 uh, Corinthians 10.5 <laughs> that's why I don't, don't partake of, of anything other than what I'm allowed to do because I know if I went back to smoking weed there'd be a jailbreak and that would not be pretty all them thoughts come rushing out if I went and got drunk there'd be a jailbreak if I lusted there'd be a jailbreak and I'm not willing to have that in your all's life and I'm not willing to have that in my life so I locked them up and threw away the key I once read, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. That's the process we go through. God gives the gift, and we get to practice it. I wish I could remember what Brother Turner said, but it's about a, a, the, why we take thoughts captive, because a thought comes in imagination, imagination becomes a desire, and a, and a desire will come in action is the basics of it. <clears throat> so if we don't stop it at a thought, then it becomes an action. Philippians 4.9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul wouldn't tell people to do something he didn't do. To act on something he didn't act on. Today, I'm not saying, hey, see me after church. I've got a magic pill that, that if you swallow, uh, your, your mind will be cured. It's just not that. That's when I see these guys that say, well, you know what? I, I took this pill and I lost 272 pounds. <laughs> Lie! Wouldn't be a fat person in the world if that worked. Send $1,000 today, your best offering, and you'll receive 100-fold by the month end. Lie! <laughs> oh. In order to have that kind of mind, you and I have to practice rejoicing in every situation we have to learn gentleness and quietness in the face of frustration or crisis. And we have to learn to trust God instead of worrying. And 
we have to fill our minds with good food for thought. Takes practice. You don't learn to play the piano sitting down looking at music. Because I can't read music, I barely read English. <laughs> I know if it goes this way, you go up, it goes this way, you go down. Other than that, I'm lost. Last year's Easter eggs, Deanna, trying to read music. The promises are great motivators for us to try. If we cast our anxiety on God and pray and put everything before Him, He promises us the peace of God. If we put into practice all of these uh, attitudes and actions, the God of peace will be with you. Both promises are peace. Did you see that? The promise of the peace of God and the promise of the God of peace. That's good stuff. The fruit of a beautiful, renewed mind is peace. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will.